last week on the podcast. Yeah, did, did you always want to be a dad? Man, I did. I did. Okay. I, I always wanted to be a dad. There was a point where I realized or where I thought, I don't think this fatherhood thing is going to happen for me. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And so just a whole lot of insecurities and a whole lot of, and just watching all my friends get married, watching mm-hmm. all my friends have kids, um, just watching people do the very things that I wanted to do. And I never wanted to have children outside of being married. Like that was just not something that a, a route that I wanted to take. Um, because I've been impacted by an unstable home. And so I didn't want to create a life and then expose that life to an unstable home. So I don't know, man. Sometime between like 25 and early 30s, I was like, I don't think this is going to happen for me. And then it clearly happened for me. And when it did, I was just like, holy crap. Like it's happening to me now. So that's why me personally, I've, I've been in this state of just awe and wonder at the fact that when I wake up in the morning, part of my identity is I'm a father to this kid that I'm going to go wake up. You know what I mean? Like, that's not all of me, but damn, bro, like, I love this part of me. So just seeing myself in that role, I'm like, yo, I like this version of Kelly. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, I, I, I could jive with this version of Kel. Like, I, I'm, I'm okay with that. Yeah, it's 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 been it's been really cool, man. It's been really cool. Yeah, I, I, for me, some days are more frustrating than others. It's like, oh man, this was not a good parenting day for me. Facts. I mean, bro. Yeah, okay, I let's let's to, talk about that. that. Let's let's talk about that, bro. This is the Welcome to Fatherhood podcast. I'm your host. My name is Kelly, and I'm here to remind you, however you're listening and wherever you're listening, that as dads, we're just like moms. Except we're dads. Ha Because it's not always so fun and rosy and like, you don't always, you might always get the kid running up to you and hugging you and telling you how much they love you. But that doesn't, that doesn't tie a nice bow on what the totality of the day is like. (laughs) No, it does not. (laughs) No, it does not. It's like, yo, just listen to me once, please. Just one time. Do we have to fight over this every single day? No. Like, okay. Like the worst is like bedtime. So like my wife is like, I'm not doing bedtime no more. Like I'm not putting them. So like most time it's my job. So it's, it's like, yo, come on. Like I just lay down, mm-hmm. close your eyes, be still. <laughs> I gotta move. I need to move. <laughs> or like go in the bed. It's time to sleep. It's like, yeah. That, that's the oldest. The youngest loves to sleep. Like he'll, you'll be with him, and he'll be like, "Yo, put me in the bed. It's time for you to leave the room. Like, let's go." 
oh, it's the opposite. He's just like, nah, I don't like to sleep. I need to know what's going on. What are you guys doing? Mm-hmm. It's like bedtime is just like always a challenge. But it, it's again, it's like you got to learn to like, okay, this is what's going to happen during bedtime. I know this as a father. Okay, take some deep breaths. Let, let's just work on the, you know, the baby steps to get this kid in bed mm-hmm. so that he goes to sleep. And like when I think through that, those days are much easier when I have to deal with it. It's when like I am I have been frustrated for something else like at work or something or, you know, I, I, I didn't do something right. And then that spirals and then I'm not in the right frame of mind. But yeah. I have to step back and make, and make sure I am in control of myself so that everything goes more smoothly. So let's talk a little bit about that work-life dynamic mm-hmm. because we wake up, we we start our days within our family structure, we go to our work environment, we do whatever we do, and then we end our days back in our family circle. So it's easier to, it's easier to, uh, I guess, bring work into the home than it is to take home into work. Does that make sense? No, go deeper. I don't really quite understand. <clears throat> so if I'm home, if I'm starting and finishing at home, mm-hmm. right, I can consider work as like a respite from home, especially mm-hmm. if home is like chaotic and whatever the case is, I can consider work as a respite from home. Mm-hmm. Um, if home is a good place and I love coming home and all of that jazz and work is not necessarily the greatest mm-hmm. place, I can bring work into the home. Like just mm-hmm. let things that affect me from work yeah. and then just carry that into the home. Yeah. So there's always that dynamic. I don't think it's an either or. I think at any point, both of both things are happening at the same time where I can take you know, the peace and tranquility that I feel from the home into work just to make sure that my work environment does not, you know, get me all riled up. Cause I know at the end of the day, I'm coming back home right. or vice versa. I'm just bringing everything from work into the home. And now that's affecting how I deal with my family and all of that jazz. Right. So and how do you like you bring your frustrations from home into work, from home like into it. work. Right. Yeah. Right. So how have you been able to, to manage uh, those dynamics? Um, it, it COVID is interesting because it, it screwed all that stuff up because home and work for me are the same place. Just merged. Yeah. They okay. Just, Cause like I, I, we're just working from home. So like I, I barely leave the house unless I'm taking the kids to school or, hmm. you know, running some errands or, you know, taking them to practice or something. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so like compartmentalizing that stuff is not easy all the time. Like you, you get, you have to, it's like an active thing you have to do. Like, I heard this podcast um, and this lady said, the best thing you can do for yourself is ask yourself, what am I feeling and why? And that's something I try to do like a lot, especially if I'm feeling frustrated. It's like, why am I feeling this and why? It's like, oh, okay, because this happened at work or this happened at, at home today. And that's why I'm feeling like this. So I need to take a moment to reflect on that and calm down and like, so I can move past it and so I can be better in whatever relationship I have going forward. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I think that's so important because a lot of people don't like are in, are like angry and they're being like really pissy at people. And they're like, not why sometimes it's like, Oh, I'm hungry. 
that's why I'm like this. I need to <laughs> yeah. eat a Snickers. I need a Snickers break. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. You, know, like, you got to even do that with your kids. Like, why is he acting like this? Why is he acting all Oh, he hasn't eaten today. Mm-hmm. Let's give him something to eat. And then he'll come down. So like, like stepping back and reflecting instead of like getting frustrated or mad is like so powerful. So powerful. So do you find it, um, do you find it hard to be able to do that compartmentalization since you're in the home and home that setting serves as both, you know, the oasis of home, but also the hub of work? Uh, so like work doesn't frustrate me as often to, to be completely honest. Like, um, so I have a, a pretty good job where the work-life balance is like really, really great. Um, okay. so it, it'll be, I don't know, some other thing that upset me that I have to like compartmentalize and like separate. And, and it, as I've been practicing this, it, it's been getting easier and easier to do this. I mean, I still like will blow up sometimes, sure. but like, yeah, it's just like trying to practice this every day and get better at it. Um, it's just what, what's been key for me. Okay. Yeah. But what about you? How, how do you solve this? Man. So uh, I don't know if you know what I do professionally. I don't know. Okay. So I, I work, <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I think I've, I've I've uh I've stayed away from saying it on here because it, it's a it's a heavy it's a heavy environment that I work in. Okay. Mm-hmm. I work in, in healthcare and mm-hmm. I I work as a chaplain in, in a pediatric uh health setting. Oh. So a lot of exactly that like that's the response. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I get why you need a compartmentalize. Yeah. You know what I mean? So 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 in in many aspects i have to i have to find a way which thankfully i have found to be able to leave the stuff at work right. at work mm-hmm. cuz i can't bring that home with me mm-hmm. you know what i mean so um and sometimes like i go through stretches where it, it's just a typical day i go and meet people hang out, have good conversations, meet some amazing people, devastating stories, but not the gut-wrenching, like, you know, worst-case scenario stuff. Right, right. And then there are stretches where for like a month or maybe a month and a half, every week there is something that intensifies more and more and more and more. So with regards to that, I have found a way to compartmentalize this is the stuff that I deal with at work. This is what I've seen at work. This is what's going on at work, but also this is what's going on with this family. And although in the moment I'm present with this family and, and I'm supporting them and I, I'm witnessing their, their trauma and their pain and how devastating, you know, this circumstance is for them, this is what's true for them. My circumstance is different. I get to come home and have my son run up to the door and say, daddy, like I get to enjoy that. So while it may sound, you know, kind of off-putting to say, I welcome that, even though this is what I know this other family is going through. I've just learned to see that that is 
a circumstance of life. Like mm-hmm. that's 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 just what's happening. You know what I mean? It's not it's not something that I'm I'm forcing to create on my own. Like that is the thing that is happening. That's that's them and and that's their circumstances and these are my circumstances. And it's also helped me to understand that at any given point our circumstances could swap. Right. I could be that one, that family who is devastated by whatever the case is. And that other family who was devastated is the one who is enjoying, you know, a period of of more joy or or whatever the case is. So I have to create those boxes because of that. Right. Um, so early on when I first started, um, not when I first started, when my son was born, it was hard to detach from that because... Mm-hmm. There were some things that were happening around that time where that child was the exact same age as my son. So it was really hard to detach. I remember walking into this patient's room and she had a blown up picture of her baby who was not going to make it on the wall. And I walked in and I could have sworn that was my son. Right. I mean, looked just like my son. So I had to take a step back and realize, no, that is not your son. You know, this is this is somebody else's child. But over over the time, it's been easier to compartmentalize in that way, understanding, you know, the things that I just said. So, yeah. So that's the reason why I I try not to to talk about it on here so often, because, yeah, that. Yeah. on like my own parents and and watching friends get divorced and stuff kind of touching upon what you said if your mental health as a parent isn't good you're not going to be a good parent so like taking care of your mental health should always be a priority otherwise that is just going to have a negative consequence on your relationships with your wife, which is going to have a negative consequence on your children. And just like, you're just going to have negative consequences on your kids in general. So like focusing on your mental health should be a priority because not enough. Oftentimes people don't do that enough and Mm -hmm. then they medicate with alcohol Mm -hmm. or whatever drug. And then that influences their parenting. So like I've just stopped drinking completely because I don't want to be hungover or, you know, tired. Cause that reflects, that reflects poorly on my parenting skills. It's just like a negative impact on my parenting skills. Mm-hmm. So I, I just don't do it anymore. Um, unless like I'm on vacation, like not going to be around the kids. Okay. Um, because like, you just got to be in control of your mental and your, your emotions and like alcohol and not doing the counseling or whatever you're going through just has such a devastating impact on, on those relationships. So I get what you're saying. Cause I, I just see them in my own life and with my friends. So aside from, you mentioned counseling, um, what other coping, positive coping mechanisms do you tap into? Yeah. Um, I haven't been doing this enough, but like I try to exercise, 
Oh, dude, I tried that and it was on and off. And then I recently canceled my subscription or my membership. But it's just as easily as just going for a walk for a little while, just getting outside. Like every time I I realize that I go outside, I'm reinvigorated and have a new frame of mind. Um, And and just sometimes I just have to like, so my, my, what my wife does on Sundays, which is very helpful for me is she takes both the kids and she, she goes to church with them. And that gives me time alone just to be by myself. Cause I'm, I'm a big introvert and like mm-hmm. I, people drain energy from me. So like being by myself is like my recovery time. Mm-hmm. And like, that is so needed. It, it just like helps me be a better parent in general. And you're right. It doesn't have to be like pumping iron and exercising. And, and you live in a, <laughs> in a part of the country that has beautiful scenery and like beautiful parks. And, and so just to be able to, to tap into and enjoy those things, I, I'm sure leaves you in a better state of being. And just like going for a walk, like after lunch or like before I pick up with the kids, um, it's helpful. I just go by myself, listen to like a podcast and I, I feel better and I'm ready. Yeah. I'm ready. I'm ready to tackle whatever. Yeah. As a father, what sort of things do you want to or are you already putting in place for your children to have a better future or or something that you couldn't have, uh, you know, in your growing up? Like, how are you setting up your kids uh, future? Yeah, there's a few few ways. So the first is like I'm taking these parenting classes. So like I don't want to have the emotional scarring or give them the emotional scarring that, you know. I had growing up. Mm-hmm. So that's really important to me to like be a parent that is like, you know, first present with them, has time for them, is it, letting them know that I love them regularly, um, not yelling at them. Like, so that's, that's one way. The other way is um, making sure like I am financially whole and so that they don't have to take care of me in the future. Mm-hmm. So it's like making sure my finances are together. Mm-hmm. Another way is investing and saving for their uh, college if they choose to do that. Mm -hmm. Um, So I've been putting money into 529 for them since before they were born. And so just actively, you know, investing in that. And and the other way is making sure and like it frustrates me um, now, but I know it's good in long term, but making sure that they are independent and like can think through things on their own or in control of their emotions. So for example, I've told my son, if I give you a command and I don't tell you why we're doing it, you ask me why anytime. I think it's important to not just blindly listen to what somebody tells you. Uh You need to know why somebody told you that. Uh Um, Because I, I just don't want them to be a follower. You need to, you need to, understand why you're doing things and you need to be able to think through and make good decisions and knowing why somebody asked you to do something. I think that's important. So those are just a few ways um, that I'm trying to set them up for a better future. Yeah. That critical thinking aspect is so key uh, because now we can see, you know, within the fabrics of our society, there is this, uh, there are ways in which some can interpret uh, laws that are being passed or or movements or whatever to like stop critical thinking. And then there's counter movements that are like, no, we need to, we need to encourage more critical thinking wherever people fall on that spectrum is wherever they fall. But that aspect of critically thinking about things, 
I think it's so key because it does start with that. Like I know for me personally, I've always been until maybe like three, four years ago, someone who you tell me this is what it is, unless it's most suspicious, unless it comes off as suspicious. Eh. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'll give you the benefit of the doubt. <laughs> and I was always fascinated, man. I've always been fascinated by students uh, by people when I was in college, undergrad or grad school who would question everything. And I'm like, why are they questioning the professor? Like, that is so disrespectful. That's how I interpreted, you know, what they were doing as opposed to seeing the value of, okay, you're telling me this, but what's the relevance of it? How does it plug into the bigger picture, the bigger narrative? And I'll tell you this, man, if I had that when I was in undergrad and even grad school, I think I would have been a much better student. (laughs) 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 I really do. I think I would have been a much better student. So I, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Cause it's not just a matter of, I am collecting all this data without knowing how it plugs in. Right. Like, so what? What is the value of all of this? And I have learned over the years that finding the value, the relevance and in things, that's where the real learning comes. And that's where things just start to open up like, oh, now I see the bigger picture. So I, I like that. Let's talk a little bit about the financial aspect. What sort of things do you think about as you plan your your children's financial future? Like what? What are two or three things that you that goes on in the mind of Darrell? Like, okay, these are the things that I want to focus on, and these are the things that I want to do. Okay, so so it first starts with like the budget that me and my wife set for ourselves. Mm-hmm. So we we discuss periodically, like, okay, this is the income we have, and this is what we're spending everything on. Okay, and this is the savings we have afterwards. And like the first thing, the first expenses that we have are for our retirement. Mm-hmm. Like we always pay into that. And the next is we, we regularly contribute to the kids, um, uh, 529. Mm-hmm. So, so for, first, for someone who is not familiar with a 529, what is a 529? A 529 is a college savings plan. Um, and it allows you to invest in stocks and bonds, um, and some other things so that, uh, your investments can grow over time. Um, okay. that's the goal hopefully, um, for when the kids are going to be college, um, enter college. And it doesn't, uh, count, uh, account, count fully towards financial aid, um, for the kids. So it's, it's very beneficial. And even there's some tax benefits to it. So, um, if, so say you put in a hundred dollars and you, it, you got lucky and it turned into $10,000, right? Mm-hmm. You wouldn't have to pay any taxes on that money when you used it to pay for your kid's education. Okay. In some states like New York, if you contribute to it, you get uh, a, a tax deduction on your state taxes. So okay. th- there's a lot of benefits for that, um, depending on where you live. Okay. Um, so, yeah, so that's one of the things we do. And then also importantly, like we save for our retirement because we don't want our kids to have to like take care of us in the future. We want to be in, in control of that. I don't know if that was the same in your household growing up with your mom. In my household, money was not a conversation that we had. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no. like, even to this day, 
married with my wife, sometimes it gets very uncomfortable for us to even get together and talk about a budget. Really? Why? Yeah. I mean, it, it, I just have a really, uh, weird way of thinking and talking about money. And I know it's important, Mm -hmm. but I was not raised in an environment where it was okay to talk about money, where, where finances were discussed openly. Like, I don't think my wife listens regularly to the podcast, so I'm, I'm allowed to say this. But uh, <laughs> like in the early years of our marriage, and we're going to be married for four years. So in like the first year and a half, two years of our marriage, I almost felt like we were keeping from each other uh, the amount of money that we we're making from at, at work, like our salaries and stuff. Like we weren't openly talking about that. Oh, okay. You know what I mean? So... um I can imagine that there are many people who that's a similar situation. Like they have similar feelings to, to talking about money, but in terms of your relationship with your wife, what were some things that, uh, that helped the two of you be able to talk openly about your finances with each other? Yeah. uh, So like, I'm very like financially oriented. So like, and, and luckily she's in, in the same way. She's the same way. So I just like, this is, and we have separate uh, bank accounts. So that, that helps too. Mm-hmm. So we, we both, you know, control the savings however we want to, but mm-hmm. we needed to know like how much we are going to have so that we can split like um, what we pay for and the bills and responsibilities that we have for financially. So what we did is we came together and said, okay, you make this much money. I make this much money because, you know, I make more than you. I will take care of all of these bills mm-hmm. and you take care of all of these bills. Mm-hmm. And so that's how we divvy up the responsibilities of uh, the expenses of our household. And th- we also want to make sure that we were able to save at the end. Mm-hmm. So like we wanted to have savings so that, you know, we could buy a house or that we could uh, make sure that we had enough money for retirement. Mm-hmm. And so we say, okay, well, because of this, we can't spend so much here. And then we would tweak the budget. And then until so we had savings and things that would go through mm-hmm. and, and that's how we would uh, come together and talk about our, our finances and our budget. So it was easy, really easy for us to say, okay, we make this much money. Okay. So let's do this. And then we allocate expenses as, you know, maybe she gets a bonus or something like that. Yeah. I mean, I, 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 again, I know talking about money can be a very uncomfortable thing, you know, for, for people, but there's clearly in your experience, there's clearly value in being able to talk about those things in order to set things in place that you guys want to accomplish as a family. Exactly. Like for me, like it's so hard for me to imagine that you don't want to talk about it. How How are you like, how are you like knowing how much you spend and who takes care of what bills? Like, I don't even get this. It's like, I can't wait to talk about my money with my kids. Like, this is important. Like, how are you not doing this? So like, it's, it's really hard for me to even understand. Like, yeah. It's like, if one, if one side of the ledger is not saving enough, that, that, that impacts everything.
listen, uh, we are coming close to the hour mark and I want to respect your time, but I just want to say thank you so much for all the things that we've been able to talk about uh, so far in our conversation. Uh, I want us to take the last couple of minutes and to give you an opportunity to do two things. One, out of everything that we've spoken about today, if you were to be able to advise a dad who is stepping into this role or who's already in this role, what would be one thing that you've learned along your journey that you would want to share with him? And then two, uh, leave you the space to be able to leave a future message for your boys from the heart. Okay. But I want to ask one question of you. Yeah. 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 Before we do this. Yeah. What are some things you've read that you think will help parents in the future? Something, something that I've read. Yeah. Learned or read. I have to say on the reading end, not much. Um, I haven't done much reading in recent years. So, so I don't have, um, anything, anything there. What I have learned though, is that, and that's something that we alluded to in our conversation already. Um, man, I've learned that as a father, a lot of my personal history with my parents have come even more so to the forefront now that I'm a parent. Mm. And there, I mean, everyone belongs to a family and there is no family story that is not messy in some way, shape or form. So we've, we've all been impacted by uh, our family upbringing. And so in my case, I've experienced a lot of disappointment, deception, and hurt from both of my parents. And the relationship with both of my parents is where it is right now. In light of that, all of the feelings that I have about that objectively has surfaced since becoming a parent. And I've had to learn to wade through those feelings in a way to allow me to be more present with my son, uh, allowing that to, to sort of be a guide and, and guardrail to prevent me from doing some of those similar things. Uh, and also just taking it objectively as an object lesson of, okay, so these are, this is how I want my experience with my son to be different than my experience with my parents. Um, also being humbled by the fact that now that I'm a father, I can understand the reasons why my parents did some of the things that they did mm-hmm. and, um, become softer to, in my attitude towards them. Mm-hmm. Um, but still not excusing the fact that they did those things that, that, that hurt me. Yeah. Um, so just like in summary, I've learned to to acknowledge that and to also let uh, to also seek like help in learning how to navigate those things and gaining new tools. Like you said, you know what I mean? Like I haven't done any parenting classes. I haven't read any parenting books like I don't have a 
uh, a parenting coach. But man, these are great ways to learn tools to help create and and craft a different environment for for our kids, especially if our experience as kids with our parents was one that we don't want to replicate. And even if it's something that you want to replicate, I'm sure there are other things that you can add to that to make it an even better experience. So just learning to be more mindful of uh, how my own things resurface um, and learning the things that I think I'm supposed to learn from those things has been really, really, really helpful for me. Yeah. And, and what you said uh, would be what would be my one piece of advice for a new, a new father is that being a good parent starts with your own mental health. Your mental health has to be in the right place if you want to be the best father that you can be. Take the next couple of minutes to um, talk to your boys and um, they're going to grow up to be young men someday. Whether or not they're going to be dads is going to be up to them, but they're going to be young men facing facing a world that's going to be different than the one that you and I have been living in so far. So It's funny you're having me do this because every year on their birthdays, I send them an email. Oh, what they did and how proud I am of them and just how much I love being their dad. Nice. Um, so they have. Yeah. So when when they're older, they're going to get these this these email accounts. OK, so just to my boys, I just want you to know that I love you very much and you make me so proud every day. And I love watching you develop and grow. And I hope that even when I fail, you know that I love you and that I'm trying to be the best father that I can be. And I want you to know that even when you fail, I still love you. And failure is important to grow and learn. So don't be afraid to fail and take risks. And I will be there for you to support you. And I love you. Man, let the church say amen. Bro, I appreciate our time. I appreciate reconnecting with you and thank you for being willing to come on here and chat it up with me and sharing about your experience. Uh, I'm excited that you've lended your voice to to this podcast and I can't I can't thank you enough, man. So all the best to you and your family moving forward. Thank you. No, thank you for having me on and sharing your experiences with me. It's been very helpful. And I'm glad I learned something new.